I'm Anna Barnard. And I'm Maria Ramsey. And you're listening to Never Wear Boring Socks. Welcome to another episode of Never Wear Boring Socks. Announcement before we get into the episode this week um, is that we want to let you know that we're extending our donation review campaign through the month of November. So for every review we get on iTunes or Stitcher, we will donate a dollar to the Hispanic Federation's Hurricane Relief Fund. Um, So please leave us a review if you've been enjoying the show. And in addition to increasing our donation, your feedback is really helpful to us and what reviews help us reach more people. So this week, we are going to talk about fear, which is a really big topic, um, but we're going to dive into a few areas within fear, including some different kinds of fear, what is fear's relationship to other emotions, and then how can we go about dealing with our fears in a helpful way, confront confronting fear, letting go of fear. So, before we get into fear, Anna, what socks are you wearing? So, I remembered to wear socks this week. Yay! Very exciting. (laughs) Um, And I wore a pair of smart wool socks that I really like. They are green. They have a little, like, flower design that's, like, green and yellow around kind of, like, the edge of the sock. But one of my favorite parts of the sock is if you, like, roll down the top of the sock on the inside, it says, feels good. <laughs> That's so, cute. Yeah, so I like them. Um, and I picked these socks because they're very warm and cozy. And it snowed for the first time this year here, uh, this past week in Minnesota. So I needed some warm footwear. So that's why I chose Good those. Plan. Yeah. What socks are you wearing? I am wearing socks that may appear to be boring at first glance. However, I would like to argue that they're not boring. They're black. They're just plain black. They're crew socks. And I was inspired to buy plain black socks after we talked to Rebecca a couple of episodes ago. Because she pointed out that as a musician, I should really have a pair of plain black socks, which she's so right. I really should. Because there are a lot of times when as a musician and you're performing, you need to wear black socks. So I got some black socks. So they're going to be my uh, concert socks. The second reason why they're exciting is because I got them from this company that makes organic cotton certified fair trade things so i bought a bunch of stuff from them including socks so i'm wearing like some really soft leggings that i just got from them and the socks and underwear and i just feel like nice and comfy and cottony i like it and my socks go with my shirt because my shirt is black so it's matchy also so i think they're kind of exciting even though they're just boring looking on their own <laughs> i like those kinds of non-boring socks mm-hmm. ones you gotta you gotta make a case for
So, fear. This is this is a really big topic. It's a complicated topic. But I thought we could start by talking a little bit about sort of why we feel fear and how we experience it. Just a little a little bit of that to start. So first, fear as we probably all know is a feeling that's caused by a perceived threat or danger. Um, and I think it's important to note the use of the word perceived here, because I think a really big part of fear and something that I'm sure we'll get into today is the fact that sometimes fear means you're actually in danger of something bad happening to you right now. And sometimes it's just your brain thinking that something bad is going to happen, and it's actually not a useful signal. Right. Yeah. Sometimes you need fear if you are in peril. Fear motivates you to get out of that situation, which is really important. But a lot of times, like day-to-day fear is just unhelpful and sometimes even debilitating. So we kind of want to go into that. Right. And then one other thing that I've talked a little bit about on the podcast is the idea that fear is kind of the opposite of love. Uh, The idea that there are sort of two basic emotions. There's a fear emotion where kind of lots of negative emotions stem from that basic fear. And then love, which includes lots of different positive emotions all kind of stemming from this idea of love so i've experienced this in that sometimes when i'm making a decision about something or kind of thinking through a couple of different options one option feels like it would be the more fearful choice like i'm doing it because i'm scared of the consequence if I don't do it, or I'm scared of what the other option would be, and maybe the other option feels more positive, more loving, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then one way that I experience that is kind of how it feels in my body. The The option that feels more like fear, I feel sort of like constricted in my body almost. It feels like a tightening um, and kind of like an anxiety, tightening, constricting feeling. And then the love option, the love emotion feels more peaceful, more kind of expansive, like I have more space to be in. And more relaxed. Yeah. Fear has some not fun physical manifestations, I feel like. A lot of Mm -hmm. the time it makes you... uh, For me, it makes uh, me breathe really quickly. And an example of when this is not helpful for me is... Um, sometimes I've had to play like solos for musical performances 
And if my breathing is impaired by fear, I play wind instruments, so it doesn't work out very well. My sister and Maria are violinists, and my sister always has the problem that her hands get really sweaty, and then she has a really hard time playing her instrument when she's scared because then she can't move her fingers as well as she needs to um, because her hands are sweaty. So a lot of the time it's just not helpful, which is really frustrating. Right. And what I've experienced playing violin, too, is like going back to the idea of sort of tightening, constricting, is like normally when you play the violin, you're doing vibrato, which is kind of moving your hand back and forth. And it's normally supposed to be kind of a loose, gentle, wavy motion. But when I get nervous, I get like tight and anxious. And then it sounds really weird. And it's like, and it's just not not a pretty sound. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So and in those situations, it's frustrating because your fear is out of the desire to do something really well and to accomplish something that you are proud of. But a lot of time it can prevent us from doing that. And that kind of, I think, changing your perspective from um, looking at the situation through a lens of fear to a lens of love is really helpful because if I were to go up and play a solo and I was incredibly afraid of how well I was going to do or if I was going to mess up, I probably will mess up. Uh, It almost always happens. But if I made the conscious choice to say, I really love playing this instrument and I'm going to find as much love as I can in this situation from performing it for other people, then it would probably go much more smoothly for me. Granted, that's not the case for everyone. I mean, some people really thrive off of like adrenaline and some sense of fear in order to accomplish um, a big task like that, whether it be a musical performance or an athletic event, um, et cetera. But a lot of times for me, I think it's much more helpful to look at it through a more positive lens. Mm-hmm. Well, this brings me to something else that I wanted to bring up, um, which is kind of the relationship between fear and excitement. And I found this really interesting study which is kind of related to performance. So I think that's why it Mm -hmm. fits into our conversation here. So there was a study where participants did sort of frightening things like speaking in public, like singing karaoke. And the researchers told some of the participants to say they were excited before they performed. And then they told the other participants to say they were anxious or nervous or something like that and the ones who said they were excited um performed better and reported that they actually felt more excited so i think a lot of it is kind of how you frame the situation your perception of the situation yeah that's huge that's really cool that just one i think the It also speaks to the fact that saying things out loud rather than just trying to believe them in your head or kind of presenting that feeling to other people, like telling other people that I'm excited for this um, has a greater effect on your performance. Like Mm -hmm. that actual outward speech or whatever. I know um, 
another thing that like kind of goes along the same lines as this is the idea of um power poses if you've heard of this mm-hmm, i don't know if you have yeah. and um there have been studies that show that if before a really big event that you're uh going to present something or speak in front of people or et cetera, et cetera. Um, or if you're just having like a bad day or whatever, um, if you strike like a powerful pose for a few seconds, it really can help your confidence and um, kind of tone down your fear or your anxiety. Um, and it's just by making that action. But like just thinking about the action and being like, okay, I'm going to feel more confident doesn't always work but doing the physical thing has huge effects on it which i think is really interesting and i don't know exactly what the explanation for that is but i think it just cements it way more in your brain and helps you tell yourself um that you can reorient your perspective on it yeah well i've also heard that maybe the science behind the power pose thing doesn't actually what is the word like work out like maybe it's not actually as big of a difference as it was originally reported to be but then i've also heard from people who like feel like it works for them right so i feel like that's another important thing if you if it does help you to strike a power pose or it helps you to tell yourself that you're excited instead of anxious then right and then it helps yeah, and it might work in, like, different situations, too, depending on, like, what you're about to do. I'd be curious right. to see what the effects on that were. Right. Yeah. Well, and one of the... I read a couple articles about this kind of fear versus excitement thing and this study that I was talking about. Um, and one of the things that was pointed out in these articles that I was reading is that there... Fear and excitement are similar on a physiological level. It's like the same kind of response in your body. It's like the elevated heart rate, the increased cortisol. So it can be easier to switch your feeling from one of anxiety or nervousness to excitement versus like trying to go from anxiety to calm because that's a huge difference physiologically. So I thought that was really interesting. That was an explanation for why this reframe can be helpful. Yeah. No, definitely. And do you know exactly what the different effects of fear, like the different emotional or mental effects of fear and excitement are, even though they have the similar physical manifestations? Because they definitely are two very different mindsets. Right, right. Well, one, I think, important distinction is that they're both, like, you're uncertain about what's going to happen, but fear, you kind of have a negatively lit perception of what that uncertainty holds, whereas excitement is more of a positive view of that future uncertainty. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense, definitely. I know that... Well, I think it's so interesting that they have the same physical manifestations because I know, like, just from personal experience, I'm sure everyone can say the same thing, is that excitement just feels, like, so much better than fear. I mean, fear feels completely Mm -hmm. different from it, even though they have Mm -hmm. the same physical effects. 
which I find so interesting. Yeah, I agree. Well, I I think that either one, I think that emotions are kind of signals from our bodies that are trying to tell us something. So I think that when you have, when you're feeling fearful, it's your body is trying to tell you that there's danger maybe. And when you're feeling kind of excited or excited slash a little bit fearful, it might be a sign that something's outside your comfort zone. And it's like exciting in a scary sort of way because it's new, but it's not actually danger. Right. Yeah. So it's the sense of like anticipation almost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then it is really interesting that you can actively reframe it as excitement. I hadn't heard of that before. Oh, yeah. So like switching your fear immediately to excitement or saying, instead of worrying about this, I'm going to look forward to it or find the things within it that I can look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. And I do think that there, like, there can be overlap between excitement and fear. Like the thing that I was talking about just now about something being new and outside your comfort zone. Like, that's scary to do something that feels uncomfortable and new. But it's scary in a very different way than, like, being chased by a tiger or something. Yeah. That's totally different. Yeah. Like, whereas one, you could be in danger, and the other one, there's a perceived danger, back to that idea of a perceived threat at the beginning of this episode. But, like, if you actually look at where that idea of threat or danger is coming from in your mind, like, why you have that idea, you might not actually need to feel threatened, because there might not be anything that's actually threatening your safety. Right, yeah. Well, talking about this, what's kind of struck me the most is that... As much as this seems so beneficial to try to reorient your mindset in regards to your fear or to try to find something that you can be excited about or can lessen the threat of, I think what's really difficult when you become afraid of something is that um, your ability to think very consciously about the situation at hand or to kind of remove yourself from it and like analyze it and then like switch your perception of it is really difficult because you're so like involved in that emotion and sometimes it controls how you would normally function mentally oftentimes you can't really step out of that so i'm wondering what the best way to do that would be you know i mean like when you're in an extreme moment of fear how can you like remove yourself from that in order to reorient your perspective? And I don't know if there's a right answer for this, but I don't know if you had any thoughts on it. Yeah, I think that's a good question because fear definitely like it's a very intense emotion. Right, exactly. Which is an important factor. So it can be very hard to remove yourself from the situation. I agree with that. I I think one one thing that's coming up right now 
is I think that just with practice of reframing your fear or kind of stepping back and trying to analyze it a little bit, I think it gets easier. So maybe that doesn't help you in that exact moment, but it could maybe help you for future moments. And I also think like it's important to feel our emotions. We don't want to all of a sudden just detach from them and step back and try to analyze them. I think it's useful to be in it for a little while and feel it. We just don't want to stay in it for an excessively long time that negatively impacts other things in our life. So maybe if you could be in the fear for like a little while and then after you feel like you've sort of felt it and processed it in your body a little bit, then maybe you can step back and think about it. That's really important. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, the idea of experiencing your emotions and not just trying to change them all the time is really important. This is just reminding me of meditation, which we've talked about before and how the idea of meditation is not to change the uh, struggles that you're facing and to like to really alter them but to more uh create acceptance within them and know that you can get through them so maybe learning to accept your fear and then finding some constructive tools to deal with it rather than trying to alter it immediately when you experience it yeah or maybe having one thing that each time you experience fear you can have maybe like a word in your head that alerts you to a different emotion or you have some kind of uh, thing that you can go back to. So when you're feeling fear, if you can think of um, like a place that you really love or something instead of just trying to be like, well, what am I going to do right now that's going to make me feel better? If you have like one thing in the back of your head where you're like, okay, every time I feel afraid, I'm going to be okay with it, but I'm going to think about this one thing, which will take me at least a little bit away from that. That might help, too. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Like trying to have some tool that makes you feel supported and not alone in those fearful situations that you can kind of. Pull out whenever you need it. Yeah, is really helpful. Yeah, that's like whatever that is for you. It could be all sorts of different things that make you feel supported. I'm glad you said that because fear can be so isolating sometimes. I mean, you think that like no one else is experiencing that or whatever. And you're like, I'm so afraid right now and everyone else is fine or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you feel like you can't reach out to other people. But I think reaching out to other people when you are experiencing intense fear is something that can be one of the most helpful things that you can do. Yeah. Or just, again, finding a tool that makes you feel less isolated or connects you with other people. Right. Or even connects you with something greater than yourself. Like, I know for me, having some sort of spiritual connection to some some force that's greater than me, for me, a lot of it is being in nature, like feeling sort of the beauty of the world around me. When I'm feeling anxious, it really helps me to go outside and just, like, take in the beauty of the world around me. Right. 
and to know so that it can be different things yeah and to know that like your experience is not the only important thing that's happening even though it feels that way when it's happening exactly. to you yeah kind of put it in perspective yeah i like that yeah and it does also remind yourself that you're yeah that you're not alone you're not like just this anxious little pile of fears in a vacuum you have all this all these things around you and all these people around you yeah I like this because I think sometimes taking yourself or I guess kind of gaining some perspective within your situation and trying to expand your perspective to a greater portion of the world can be sometimes like really intimidating and make you feel really like insignificant sometimes. But I like how we're talking about using it in a way that's really beneficial and can make you feel like more connected with the world and with people around you because I think that mm-hmm. it does have that effect too. Yeah. And one other thing that I wanted to talk about today is kind of the idea that there are different kinds of fear. So I remember hearing this on a podcast once. It was on Jess Lively's podcast, The Lively Show. She was talking about how there are two different kinds of fear um well there are more different kinds of fear but anyway in in biblical hebrew apparently there are a bunch of different kinds of a bunch of different words that are translated as fear but they have more distinctions in hebrew but when we translate it it just comes out as fear because we don't have different words for all these different things so i thought that was really interesting um And what Jess Lively talked about in her podcast, which also Tara Moore talks about in an article that I read and found really interesting, was the distinction between two particular kinds of fears. So one of them, I don't really know how to pronounce these. I apologize. I do not have any background in Hebrew, but it's P-A-C-H-A-D, Pashad, perhaps? Um, so what Tara says, I'm going to read a little bit of hers. She says, Pashad is projected or imagined fear, the fear whose objects are imagined. That in contemporary terms is what we might think of as lizard brain fear, the fear of horrible rejection that will destroy us or the fear that we will simply combust if we step out of our comfort zones. But there's a second Hebrew word for fear. Yura. This one is Y-I-R-A-H. Um, Rabbi Lu describes Yura as the fear that overcomes us when we suddenly find ourselves in possession of considerably more energy than we are used to, inhabiting a larger space than we are used to inhabiting. And she also uses the words fear and awe to describe these two different kinds of fear, kind of one way we could translate this in English. I thought this was really interesting because I think there is an important distinction between the fear where you're just, like, your brain is just spinning with imagined possibilities and anxieties and the fear where, like we talked about earlier, it's sort of stepping out of your comfort zone, stepping into something 
bigger, potentially scarier. Maybe you have more responsibility. Or it's just new. So I think that kind of goes back to the idea of the fear and excitement also, in addition to fear and awe. Yeah, this is really fascinating. It's reminding me of a lot of different things right now. Um, for one, it, it's reminding me of something that I'm doing for a class right now. I'm in a class where we have to write an exegesis on a passage from the Hebrew Bible. And one of the things that we have to do is look at different translations of the same passage. And if you go through and look at different commentaries from different faiths and from different individuals with different backgrounds, I mean, it's so interesting what people take away from the text. And when people analyze these different translations, they come up with different meanings, too. And I think it's so fascinating that the language we use has such a huge impact on how we understand things and how we feel about them and how we react to them. And it's the same with fear. I mean, if we had two different words for fear that explained fear in such a thorough way as these terms, I think we would look at it completely differently. And I know there's a lot of cultures in the world where certain terms have different uh, words for the for like one thing that we consider in English and they they're like reactions to those things are completely different than ours. I mean it's just it it completely fascinates me. I think that this idea of use of language is so instrumental in how we frame things and how we choose to use them and react to things. And in the context of fear specifically I think using these different interpretations of fear can really help us react differently to them and kind of find some sort of resolution um, when we are looking at fear and when it feels so debilitating. If we can frame it in like a more specific context, I think it feels more defined and easier to resolve yeah well this idea that language has such a big effect on our experience of life and of fear specifically goes back to the the study that we were talking about the like talking about whether you feel nervous or excited actually changes how you experience that situation Mm -hmm. so yeah i wonder what how our experience would be different if we grew up with a language that had distinctions between these different kinds of fears, because I do think it would make a difference. I know. Yeah. No, it's, it's absolutely amazing. I think we need to have an episode just on words that the English language doesn't do justice to. This sounds very interesting. (laughs) I think we should do that too. (laughs) And then figure out how other people interpret them it's so fascinating i don't know i just think it's so interesting like why didn't we develop words for that how difficult would it have been right make up other words but can we just do that yeah can we make up new words now that would be great (laughs) but isn't it weird that that can be part of our episode yeah isn't it weird that we haven't done that though i mean like the language that we know now is so ingrained within us that people don't feel like they can 
like introduce new terms or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, when people get mad when we do add new words to the dictionary. Yeah. No, people get so mad. People's like, uh, I don't want to say like emotional ties to language, but you know what I mean? Like uh, their investment in the language that they're speaking is so strong, whether consciously or unconsciously, that when like you people try to alter it, there's a lot of backlash against it. Yeah. Just because I think you have such a, that's like such a constant in your life. Like, a lot of people really define their experiences based on language, like we've been talking about. And when someone tries to change that, it can be, like, really throwing for people. Yeah. It's so cool. It is. But wouldn't it be even cooler if we could use the knowledge that language affects our perceptions so strongly and use that knowledge to create new words that would have give us more positive experiences? Or to use words in different ways that give us more positive experiences. I think that would be really helpful. Yeah. But maybe we should just create our own little dialect. Maybe we should. The never wear boring socks dialect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that we can have our own terms for things. So we can can change our reactions to our own lives. It would be so cool. It would be very cool. All right. Future plan. Yeah, that was a bit of a tangent, but it was important. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, I think this idea is really fascinating because, like the so the the lizard brain fear that they talk about is definitely not a helpful thing when you're just imagining all these different situations and getting anxious about them. But the other one, it's like a positive experience of fear. And how often do we think of fear as being a positive emotion? We don't usually. And I think that kind of connects it back to the idea of excitement. It's, there, I think there can be sort of a fine line between fear and excitement, which we usually view as a more positive emotion. So. Yeah. This is making me think of, um, like, the nature of stress, and usually we associate stress very negatively, and a lot of times stress does have negative consequences, it has negative health consequences, but sometimes stress can be really positive, and if we didn't have stress, we wouldn't really have any um, way to get out of, like, dangerous situations, because I think part of stress is fear, part of fear is stress, vice versa. And sometimes mm-hmm. it can compel you to do things and get things done or whatever. It can, it can compel you to worry about the people you love and then take action to help them or whatever. But it does have negative connotations. But I think trying to identify what type of stress or fear that you have is really helpful in dealing with it, like we've talked about before. And I, yeah, I think it's so interesting that that not only is it just like is fear is this fear positive or negative but it's i think it's so interesting that she describes it so specifically as the fear that overcomes us when we suddenly find ourselves in possession of considerably more energy than we are used to i mean that's so interesting mm-hmm. i mean i never think about that when i'm experiencing a fear that feels that way it's not like oh i'm just afraid because i'm experiencing more energy than i'm used to <laughs> like my brain doesn't right. go there but if it did i could probably react completely differently and help myself a lot right 
When I think framing it that way, thinking about it that way, makes can make us more likely to do things that are scary because we're able to recognize that it's scary not because it's dangerous, but because it's bigger, more more energy, as she says. Yeah, and I think part of this is when you have this sort of fear, if you can recognize that like that's the type of fear you're having, I think even if you still... I think in one hand, if I were to recognize that the fear that I'm experiencing is because I am kind of in this new situation where I am, I'm trying to reframe this language. It's just so cool how she says when you have Mm -hmm. more energy than you used to. Yeah. When you're in a situation like that, if I were to think of it that way, I think there are two possible outcomes that could happen. I think one would be just the fact that like, oh, that's what I'm afraid of. That's really cool. It shouldn't be something I'm afraid of. So then the fear almost kind of subsides in that way. Or I think it could kind of take the effect that you're still afraid of it, but you realize that this is like something that's so amazing that's happening to you right now. And so you can kind of like identify the benefits of it, despite the fear that you're like feeling at the moment. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Definitely. So like that in that sense, identifying fear, I think just helping you find like the eventual like positive consequences of the situation which you're in helps you to kind of like make it through that fear Hmm. yeah well i'm curious anna are there any times in your life where you feel like you've experienced this second kind of fear this fear where you were maybe stepping into a bigger space or feeling more energy and you decided to do the thing that you were scared of? Yeah. And so was it rewarding? Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is that last year, I, for a long time, I had been wanting to uh, pursue theater. And so I finally decided to try out for the cast of my school's theater production. But it also really, really freaked me out. Um because I love like the medium of theater and like that art form, but also it takes a lot of self-confidence. It takes a lot of um, like part of theater is just like public speaking, which again is like the number one fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was like really scary for me. And for a long time, I was really stressed out about it because I just felt really insecure amongst all these people who knew so much more than me about theater and had done it for so much longer and were so much more comfortable like in that space but then I started reaping the positive benefits of it eventually and kind of realizing that I was making this greater thing with all these people and it was this really cool experience and I realized I was learning a lot more about myself and developing my confidence a lot more and even though like that kind of freaked me out it made the experience a lot more enjoyable, even though it was scary. So, yeah. I think it's really important to to pursue the things that freak you out. Because a lot of the time, it will benefit you. If you can identify the the positive benefits in the long run, I think that will, like, motivate you to do it, like, despite fear. 
Because I think sometimes mm-hmm. fear just stops us from doing things. Yeah. And I think that's when it gets really kind of dangerous to our well-being is when it stops us from doing the things that would be good for us in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It takes a lot of of guts to just do things that you're afraid of. Whether it just be like talking to someone you're not used to talking to or saying something that like you might not be used to expressing or to do an activity that you don't think necessarily fits with what you've been doing before. I think a lot of this goes back to the topic of identity that we've been talking about. Um, Like part of my fear in doing uh, theatrical production was like, I haven't done this before. Like, I feel like everyone's going to think this isn't really who I am because this hasn't been part of my identity before, but actually I've really enjoyed theater for a long time and now I want to pursue it. But I think I had this idea that it was like conflicting with my identity and that was part of the fear that I had. And I think that can be really scary for people. Like, I'm going to try this new thing, but everyone else thinks I do these things. I can't try this. I mean, that would make them think this. You know, or like, I can't wear this because usually I wear that. And so then people are going to think this about me or whatever. I think part of it goes along with, with your identity. I think so, too. Because it can be scary to to think about what other people are thinking of. Yeah. That's that's a big source of fear for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So one of my one, one of the quotes that is kind of stuck with me like this year, I think, is. Oh, what is the quote? It's by uh, Carrie Fisher. And it's something like you, oh, what is the quote? It's like, don't wait to develop the confidence to do something. Just do it anyway. And you're going to be afraid of it. But like the confidence will come sort of Mm -hmm. like, like through doing it, the fear will subside, but you can't just wait to the like for the fear to go away because it won't and instead it will just prevent you from doing things so i really liked right. that yeah i really like that too because like how else are you going to build that confidence and get over the fear yeah if you don't do the thing yeah and i think yeah that can be such a block yeah and i think there's also this sense of um something that stops people or something some something that people use in as as and like an excuse to not do things is that like oh i'm not ready yet like i'm just waiting till i'm going to be ready to do this mm-hmm. and a lot of it comes out of fear and i think there's um i know i've heard someone say this is that this is another quote by someone i i'm like remembering all these quotes and i can't remember Full the exact today. wording but um <laughs> it's like don't wait till you're ready because you'll never be ready. Yeah. You know, like there's always going to be something that comes up and then you're not going to be ready to do it. And if you're afraid of doing it, like that's not necessarily ever going to go away. So you just need to do it. Which is like way easier said than done. It's freaky. But I yeah. think, I think if, like once you've done it at least once and you realize that you can do it, then you realize that you can do it again. I think a lot of the time 
there's been so many experience experiences in my life where I'm afraid of something. And then whether it just be like going and interacting with someone that I haven't talked to before or whatever, and I get really freaked out about it and I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be so awkward or this is going to be really scary or whatever. And then I go and do the thing and it's way better than I thought it was going to be. And then it's like, why did I worry about that? Yeah. Or even if it was scary, you often have gained something right. from the experience. Right. And it's like, even if it was scary, was it really that bad? Like, I'm sure on the receiving end, no one even blinked twice, even though it freaked right. you out or whatever. Right. And trying to kind of realize that, again, going back to the perspective thing, realizing that people aren't analyzing it as much as you might be. Yeah. Part. That's a true a lot of the time, yeah. I think. Yeah. But yeah, I really relate to the so the idea of letting fear get in the way of doing things that you want to do, like trying to wait until you're ready. I have done that with so many things. Um, and I've like been really trying to just go for stuff anyway this year. Um, like one thing is I have wanted to write a children's book for a while. And I was always like, I'll write it when I like have more of a following for my art so more people will buy my book or like I'll wait till I'm older or I have more money or more stability in some way or whatever. But then I I stopped and was like, why am I not doing this? Those are not real helpful reasons. I just need to do it. So, so I signed myself up for a writing group, which was kind of scary because I'm like in a room with these really talented writers and I'm reading my stuff, which is, it feels very vulnerable and it's like a different style than everybody else's, but, but so far it's been very rewarding. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And I think you do need to be cognizant of, of the fact that eh, Going out, like getting out of your comfort zone can be really helpful sometimes, but also like parts of your life still need to be in your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You need to have a balance. So I like when I came to college, I think there's this sense of like, you're going to be out of your comfort zone and it's OK because you're going to learn things and it's important to like be out of your comfort zone. But it's like you can't be out of your comfort zone all the time because that's just overwhelming. Like you have to have parts of your life that are in your comfort zone. So I think getting out of it is really rewarding and facing fears that you have is really important. But accepting yourself and forgiving yourself when you don't do the things that you're afraid of and then learning from that and helping to kind of build yourself up for the next thing. But I think if we get really frustrated by those things, that prevents us even further from doing things that we're afraid of. And it's just like this cycle. Yeah, so definitely. You need to accept your fear, but you also just need to accept yourself. And right. be okay with what you're doing, even if it's not perfect all the time, or it's not accomplishing the goals that you have for yourself all the time. Right. And I do think, like we were talking about earlier, finding something to make you feel supported when you're going through scary situations. I think it's important, too, like you said, sometimes step out of your comfort zone but then to also have these other things that feel safer and 
more supportive that kind of give you the they kind of are restorative and give you the strength to continue pursuing the things that you are doing outside of your comfort zone. Exactly. Yeah. Because it can be really overwhelming if that's all you're doing. Yeah. Which is why I found the beginning of college so overwhelming because everything was so new and outside my comfort zone. Exactly. And when you have too much of that, it's not necessarily a good thing. Right. Right. Balance. Exactly. Always balance. As my mom says to me, moderation in all things. Mm-hmm. It's probably good advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've talked about this a little bit, but I wanted to also end with how we can deal with fear because it is often a negative emotion or we perceive it as a negative thing so how can we either use it to our our advantage or understand it better so that it's not so painful so a couple of things that we already talked about are reframing your fear as excitement um and then doing things that make you feel supported like spending time with people you love feeling some sort of connection to something greater than yourself yeah and another really important thing that you can do is we talked about this with rebecca i feel like this episode is just tying back to so many things we've talked about before i think so that's very true yeah fear just comes in to a lot of parts of your life but Mm -hmm. the idea of getting to know yourself better um Fear manifests manifests itself very differently for everyone individually, um, depending on what situations you're putting yourself in and how you're reacting to those situations. Um, And I think identifying when you feel fear and what type of fear that is, is really important. I don't think it's easy to do when you're feeling it, but maybe after the fact, sitting down and trying to identify it. Um, we can go back to journaling with this one. It's a huge tool for getting to know yourself and, uh, parts about how you react to things. Um, and sitting down and like writing about your fear and getting more in touch with it. And also if you just, if you, if you kind of face it head on, there's a, there's already a sense that you're, that you're trying to resolve it. I mean, just getting kind of like trying to befriend your fear instead of distance yourself from it, I think creates like a better relationship with you and the fear and it helps you to tackle it yeah i totally agree with you and i have also found journaling so helpful in dealing with fear i will i like start out being afraid of something and write about it and then i like to really ask myself a lot of questions and like get deeper and deeper with my questions like well why is that scary and why is that scary and it just gets kind of more like simple as i go along these sort of like more primal basic fears of like i'm afraid people aren't gonna like me or i'm afraid i'll be alone or something like that so I think it's it can be really helpful to like really dig into it and 
like you said, kind of befriend your fear, understand where it's coming from. Yeah. I, and why it's trying to protect you. I like your your journaling technique of like asking yourself questions. I don't know if I've really used that before. I, I, I admittedly did use journaling a lot when I was doing the, the theater show because, again, I felt really nervous about it for a long time when I was starting out. And a lot of the, the journaling for me was trying to kind of like look at my fear and then say like, why are you really afraid of this? I mean, which is kind of asking mm-hmm. yourself questions, but when you write it down, it almost looks sillier than it, than it seems inside of your head. And that can be helpful. And also a journal is just a really good place to just like build yourself up too. I mean, like identifying your strengths, writing them down and saying like, yes, you can do this is really helpful because a lot of the times it's really hard to do that just inside your head. Yeah. Well, and also once I see it written out on paper, why I'm afraid of something and what my fear is exactly, it's easier for me to prove myself wrong. Yeah. And be like, well, that's not actually true. Like if you do that, that's not true that nobody's going to like you. <laughs> like that doesn't this one action doesn't really determine your self-worth or your likability or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of a, a big part of fear is like myths you have about a, an experience and and how you feel about it. And I think journaling can help like debunk those myths. Totally. I found that many times. Yeah. And then I also often end up like comforting myself at the end after I just can see what I'm scared of and that I don't really need to be scared of it. Then I can F and end up writing something nice and encouraging. Mm-hmm. So. I just have found it really helpful. Yeah. Would recommend. Definitely. Get to know yourself better. Go buy a journal. Or just like use a notebook you already have. Or write it on your computer. Yeah. Whatever Or write it on a piece of paper and then rip it up after. Yeah. But journaling. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, and I just want to, this is kind of random, but... We've talked about before some of the tools that we use that we find helpful. One of them is journaling. One of them is meditation. And Oprah and Deepak Chopra are doing a 21-day meditation challenge. I believe it will have already started by the time this episode comes out. But it will only be a few days in. So I really enjoy them. If anyone is looking for a way to sort of get started with meditation, but it seems maybe a little overwhelming or you just would have... easier time sticking to it if you have somebody reminding you to do it then i would definitely recommend it yeah we can link to it in the show notes i'm probably gonna take you up on that because i'm trying to start a regular routine of meditation too Mm -hmm. i really like these ones because they talk to you a little bit first and then there's like some nice music but i find it helpful to meditate to music so yeah anyway i would recommend that yeah that's awesome Thank you. You're welcome. So for our call to action this week, we would love it if you let us know um, 
something that you're scared of, but that you're doing or you're going to do anyway. So share your experiences with us. You can email us, uh, find us on social media, get in touch with us, send us voicemails over email. Um, but yeah, let us know something that you're you're conquering in regards to your fear. And Maria, do you have a quote for us this week? I do. This is a quote from Oliver Sacks. I cannot pretend I am without fear, but my predominant feeling is one of gratitude. I have loved and been loved. I have been given much and I have given something in return. I have read and traveled and thought and written. Above all, I have been a sentient being, a thinking animal on this beautiful planet. And that in itself has been an enormous privilege and adventure. And I think this is really beautiful. And I really love it because it reminds us that the goal with kind of tackling our fears is not to eliminate fear 100% because we're human. We're going to be scared of things. That's just part of our experience. But I think the goal is to focus less on the fear and to focus more on things like gratitude and love. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. I think it does a really good job at the idea of of kind of gaining perspective in your own life. And even though you're kind of this small cog in a big machine of of earth and world that's working all the time realizing how great it is to be part of it even with like the scary things that goes along with it i think maybe looking mm-hmm. at fear is kind of just like an essential part of the human experience and just accepting that and having ways to deal with it is another good way to look at it. And I think that quote does a really good job in framing it that yeah. way. Yeah. And it goes back to the idea of finding something greater than yourself yeah. to connect to, which I think is, I've found incredibly helpful in dealing with fear. For sure. Thank you for that quote. You're welcome. Lovely. Thank you to Oliver Sacks. Yeah. You've been listening to Never Wear Boring Socks. Next week, we'll be discussing the topic of making decisions, which is something that Anna and I both struggle with. So it will be an interesting, an interesting discussion. We hope you join us. Yeah, I'm guessing many people can relate. So yeah, please tune in. We hope to gain some some new knowledge. Mm hmm. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And please share your feedback with us. Um, remember that for every review we receive this month, we donate to the Hispanic Federation's Hurricane Relief Fund. And that goes towards November as well. Um, oh, but it will be November when this episode comes out. So This is true. Leave some reviews. So every review in October and November. Yes. <laughs> please keep please keep leaving reviews. Um, it helps us. It helps the relief fund. Do it. You can find show notes for this episode at mariacatherine.com slash podcast slash zero twelve. And Catherine is spelled K-A-T-H-A-R-I-N-E. 
please do not hesitate to get in touch with us. We really, really would love to hear from our listeners. Um, you can email us at neverwearboringsocks at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at neverwearboringsocks and on Twitter at noboringsocks. Thank you to Ben Ramsey, the cheese beast, for doing our audio editing. And thank you to both him and Martha Barnard for their help with our music. We will talk to you next week. And in the meantime, remember to never wear boring socks.